Blog Talk Radio. Hello, welcome to this installment of the Steel Conversation. My name is Brian Giardo. Hopefully, Steel Steeler Nation is doing well out there as we discuss the Steelers' uh, 2016 season so far. Off to a four and five start, and uh, obviously not very good as the Steelers are trying to get things ready and trying to get things going for the rest of the season. So, uh, once again, thank you for joining this podcast. And we'll be happy to take your calls as well. As uh, again, we discussed the Steelers season. It hasn't gone off uh, incredibly well. Uh, again, the Steelers are you know four and five on the season. Uh, they started four and one, uh, and uh, you know lost to the Dallas Cowboys yesterday to slip you know to under five hundred for the first time this season. Uh, but in general, there's still a lot of things to be optimistic about. Uh, you know, the Steelers, uh, you know, have Cleveland Browns coming up. So that's always a good thing. And, uh, you, know, the, you know, they just face the Dallas Cowboys, which is one of the better teams in the NFL. So that's obviously something that, uh, you know, the Steelers are, uh, you know, they're just like a lot of teams. They lost to the Dallas Cowboys. So, again, we'll take your calls if you want to dial in, if you're listening at home. Uh, 619-924-9828 is the phone number. 619-9828 is the phone number. So, again, the Steelers 4-5 and five this season are only a game behind the Baltimore Ravens and the AFC North. A couple of questions that I wanted to discuss um, was, you know, uh, you know, we'll start with the offense first. I mean, obviously there's a lot of questions on the defense, but we'll get to that. Uh, I think the biggest thing that we have to talk about offensively is, you know, where is this, where is this offense going to go uh, in terms of finding a number two receiver? You know, Martavis Bryant, uh, you know, the Steelers haven't found a way to replace him yet. That's been a big concern for the team. Uh, now Eli Rogers has shown flashes, and he played well yesterday. Actually, believe it or not, uh, Kobe Hamilton had more receiver, receiving yards, or, or I'm sorry, snaps than him. And actually, if we're going to hold on for just one moment, we're going to get some people on the line here. Hello? Hey, Brian, it's Chris Carter. Chris, how are you doing tonight? I'm all right, and yourself? Doing great, doing great. And, uh, you know, as, uh, we're actually being joined now by Chris Carter of DK Pittsburgh Sports, who was kind enough to join us. And uh, this is kind of a throwback. We used to do a podcast together. It was actually called The Steel Conversation back in the day on, mm-hmm. uh, on SG Nation. So uh, Chris, again, is good enough to join us. You can find his work at DKPittsburghSports.com. He, he's you know, really their analytical guy, he'll break down a game like, like nobody's business. He's the best in the business at that. And, uh, you know, Chris, uh, we were kind of starting uh, this game – oh, for sure, and thanks again for joining us. We, we were kind of starting the podcast discussing um, the Steelers' snap count uh, and, and, you know, some surprises there. You know, Justin Gilbert hasn't played a lot. And one thing that was really surprising looking at the offensive side was that Kobe Hamilton got more playing time than Eli Rogers. You know, not – significantly more, but he did. And I, I guess for you, I, I think the biggest question out there in terms of the Steelers' offense, there's definitely more questions on the defensive end, I think, for sure. But uh, but offensively, you know, what is this team going to do without Martavis Bryant the rest of the year? I think it's pretty clear to everyone that this offense, you know, they're still exceptionally good, but they might not really find and realize their full potential without Martavis. What are your thoughts on the wide receivers and what you saw yesterday? Uh, well, you're still looking for uh, – like, got to realize, the second receiver after Martavis was supposed to be Marcus Wheaton. He's gone. The guy after him was the guy they signed for three years, Darius Hayward Bay. He's gone. So now that's three guys outside of the, out of the rotation that they're trying to fill behind Antonio Brown. So now you're really looking at Eli Rogers and Coley Hamilton. Those are two practice squad guys, for real. That, that, that's, that's what they're dealing with right now. Um, and, and, and when you have that thin – at wide receiver, you're gonna have problems at, at, at the sec at this with you know trying to find someone backing up the best receiver in football in Antonio Brown. Um, right now, I see Eli Rogers. He's he's developing every week. He's running sharp routes. Um, he throws some nice blocks here and there, um, and he makes I think some really solid catches. And especially for a guy that you spent nothing to get, no draft pick. It was just all. Um, it was just it was just a uh, you know an, an after the draft pick. You know, an unsigned free agent. Um, the same thing goes for Kobe Hamilton. Uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. interesting. Now, I, I see that much of a difference. You know, uh, he Rodgers played 64 snaps. Hamilton played 68. I think part of that might be because they might see Rodgers more as a slot-type receiver and Hamilton more as a split end. Um, and that might be the reason that Hamilton was out there more. 
Um, but I mean, when you look at that, they're the only three receivers that 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 were in that in the game on Sunday. And think, just think about. Oh, sorry, Sammy Coates. He was he was the fourth, but he only he he saw, he saw a very limited amount a, amount of snaps. He saw two snaps the entire game. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's it's so bizarre, you know. But the fact that Kobe Hamilton and Eli Rogers have shot them up, has shot up beyond Sammy Coates is kind of scary. Uh, it might be because Coates, you know, injured his hand and that has been more of a setback than anyone's willing to let on. Um, because maybe he just can't catch the ball as well because now he has, um, you know, he has stitches put on his on his right hand, um, and that's you know it's unfortunate, but it's something that he should that you wish that he would be able to work through. But but still, really the Steelers worked with a rotation of just three receivers, no one, and you know that and that means that nobody was taking really time off, um, especially when you got mm. your your fifth option playing ninety two percent of the offensive snaps. Um, you know, he's, he's going to, they're going to get tired out there. And I think that's why you saw Jesse James get 70% of snaps and, and, um, you know, he, cause he, he had to be out there more and they, and I wish that they would have gone more to the rotation with Ladarius Green and Xavier Grimble, because I do think that those two guys are athletic. And if you put the three of them, three of them out there, um, giving, uh, you know, it, I think that it's going to, it presents some matchup problems for defense because they're all big and they all can move, especially Green and Grimble. Um, but, you know, right now, Ben Roethlisberger is the chief of this offense. I think that as long as Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell are still out there and, you know, they're their main option, this offense is going to be able to move. Eli Rogers is going to get those nice one-on-one opportunities. You know, he, I think he had another solid game. He had 100 yards against the Ravens. He had a touchdown um, on Sunday. Um, and I think Kobe Hamilton's coming. He's coming along and he's doing a little bit better. Uh, but it, it really is about Ben Roethlisberger because he's got, you know, I look at this offense and as much as people wanted to point at the defense yesterday, if you counted up the amount of time that they didn't score from, from the late in the third, the, the late in the first quarter when their last touchdown was in the first half to three minutes to, to go in the fourth quarter, that was effectively 46 minutes of football. That's three quarters of no touchdown. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, and yeah, sure. They scored two touchdowns very early and two touchdowns very late. Um, but, I think a big part, you know, and that's great and all, but with the with the offense needing to be the leading factor of this team, with the offense, um, that's something we talk about DK Pittsburgh sports all, all the time, is that this is now supposed to be the number one offense in the league. They need to put up number one offensive type numbers, and mm. that's that means you, that means when you get a lead, like there were several times that they they had a lead, and all they had to do was just tack on some more points. The defense was able to hold the Cowboys to field goals or get three and outs during the middle of the game, and they really didn't uh, put any distance between them and the Cowboys, and that led to eventually all they needed was a Des Bryant touchdown, and they took the lead right back. So that's where I see a lot of the problems. I, I think I think uh, moving forward, it's going to be up to Ben to sort of rally the troops behind him. You know, he said, follow me, but, you know, honestly, they fo- it looked like they followed him early in the first quarter and late in the fourth. They need to follow him for all four quarters. Uh, you nailed that. <laughs> you nailed it. I mean, that's – that's it. I mean, I hate saying it, and Ben, I think, kind of, kind of harped on it in his, in his post-game press conference. He kind of said, like, you know, bad teams find ways to lose, great teams find ways to win. I mean, not essentially. He didn't essentially. He essentially said that. He didn't say that for me. I'm like, don't quote me on that. But kind of, kind of alluded mm-hmm. to that. That Dallas is a great team, and the Steelers aren't right now. And and great team. And, and when the Steelers are clicking, they find ways to win like that. And in a game like that, I mean, it it was even the entire way. You know, it was. The Steelers had momentum early. Dallas kind of struck back. And then from that point on, it was just like a heavyweight fight where the Steelers and Cowboys, mm-hmm. just like the classic days in the 70s, they were just trading blows. It just came down to who executed at the end and who didn't. I mean, geez, I, mean, I know you know all this. You can go back to the Jackie Smith drop. You can go back to the 70s Super Bowls. It all comes down to you know these kind of games between two, two good teams. Who executes at the end? And I, I said all last week, if, if you get Dallas in their element in a one-possession game when they can still hand the rock to Ezekiel Elliott in the fourth quarter, that's bad news. And that's yeah. that's why the face mask, <clears throat> Sean Davis' face mask hurt so much was just because mm-hmm. at that point in the game, Dallas had to throw the ball and they weren't going to run the ball. And then when, when at that point when the ball is just outside the 30-yard line, and I think they had at least a timeout that they could burn, you knew they were going to run the football. And, that, and that's Dallas's bread and butter. I really – really wanted to see if Dak Prescott could actually beat the Steelers one possession to win the game in the fourth quarter. Well, I honestly would have liked to preferred to have a double-digit lead at that point, but, but would not. But, and that's, I think, what really hurt this team. But I like what you said, too, about the Steelers' defense, like you, like you pointed out so adequately, that, that they did not allow a touchdown for so long. And they played well against the Ravens. And I think, in general, 
you know, the Steelers have one bad game. I think there's a lot of fans who just jump off the wagon completely and say, oh, this defense is terrible, this, that, and the other. But as you pointed out, Chris, they, they've played well enough to win in quite a few games. And I know that they gave up a yeah. lot of yards to Ajayi, but that was before anybody knew how good Ajayi was. And in general, mm-hmm. you know, the Steelers definitely could have scored more points than their defense allowed. So, you know, I don't know if you want to touch more on the defense. I have a million questions for you. I mean, one question real quick I wanted to get to. David Johnson sure. in week one. Let's go way back to week one. I know that seems like eons ago. Okay. And when they have D'Angelo Williams in the game at running back, and they kind of have David Johnson as kind of like an H-back where he did a sensational job blocking and prying running lanes open for him. You know, the offense was doing these really creative plays. Like I know uh, and even, I think, even a fourth down where they kind of had uh, Eli Rogers almost kind of playing like a tight end. He kind of curled, you know, right by the line of scrimmage and caught a beautiful pass. What happened to all those plays? I really thought that was going to be the future of the Steelers' offense. Honestly, maybe a little bit more small ball and kind of using their weapons. Ben lined up under center a lot. What's happened to that offense? I thought we would see a lot more of that this season. Well, remember that 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 remember who was starting at running back at the time it was D'Angelo Williams. He yeah, is a, right. He's not a, yeah. he, he is more effective in the offense where you have a fullback and a, mm. and, a, and a running and a quarterback under center. Uh, that is where his strength comes. He can he reads he reads the uh, the the flow of the defense and the offensive line. I think he makes better decisions under those plays, and that's kind of like that's kind of why you saw last year the rise of Roosevelt Knicks was because he he became an effective fullback and D'Angelo Williams was able to use him so well in so many situations. But with the return of Le'Veon Bell, there's no need to go with a fullback because. I mean, really, the, the Steelers' best offensive situation is when they can have three receivers, a tight end, and Le'Veon Bell. Um, because then mm. that way, the defense has to has to you know it has to either come out in the nickel or dime package because they need multiple defensive backs to cover those receivers. Or if you don't, then we just pick you apart with those three receivers and you have extra linebackers on the field. They still need a linebacker to cover the tight end because then we'll go to Jesse James or or, uh, or Xavier Grimble or Ladarius Green. And then at the same time, the X factor is always Le'Veon Bell at the backfield. You know, he's so tough to compensate for. Um, and I think that's why you haven't seen those formations as much. And I, I don't have a problem with that. I think that I don't think it's the play calling. Honestly, when I look at the offense and the mistakes that are made, it's often because. Ben Roethlisberger gets locked into his receiver, and he doesn't switch out, switch into his progressions enough. Mm, um, okay. And I, used, okay. I, I saw that. I saw that a lot with with Miami. Um, Dehan and I um, on DK Pittsburgh Sports, we do a show called Morning Java, and we were talking about that a lot the past few weeks with how Ben Roethlisberger, especially in Miami, like the the one interception that he threw that he was targeting Sammy Coates. I mean, he stared him down for so, such a long time that it allowed. The, uh, the 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 Dolphins to be able to just kind of just jump all over it. The same thing went for um, the dropped interception uh, last week against the Ravens when he chucked it down the field to Eli Rogers and C.J. Mosley just dropped it a gimme pick. Um, there's so many times that Ben Roethlisberger it looks like he's just trying to win the game just by going you know, going through the motions and not necessarily saying, okay, this is what the defense is lined up in. I think this is going to be open. Okay, that's covered. Let me progress to this guy, this guy, and bam. And that's something that he hasn't done enough of this year. And if you really look at their, their losses this season, they're four and five. So two of their losses are against the two best teams in each conference. The Patriots got, are, what, seven and two, and the Cowboys are eight and one. So, you know, those two losses, okay, you kind of – especially when the Patriots came with Landry Jones at the helm. But the three losses that are really hurting them right now are Philadelphia when they scored three points, Miami when they scored 15 mm. points, and Baltimore when they scored 14 points. And these are all teams that you expect them to at least put up reasonable numbers against. And the offense didn't get it done. And all three of those games, Ben Roethlisberger was, 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 the, was the X factor that needed, that needed to come through, and he just couldn't. Um, you know, a lot of people are pointing at Tomlin right now, and even Ben Roethlisberger's comments, he didn't point at Tomlin, but a lot mm-hmm. of people are interpreting it, it that way. Mm-hmm. But I really think people have to look at, in those situations, especially when we're talking about losing to quote-unquote sub-bar teams on the road, uh, look, at the, look at the quarterback play. It's almost always atrocious. You know, outside, if you, if you take out 2012, you know, the years when they were 8-8, eight and eight, when they just weren't a good team, this year, the last two years and this year, um, and you look at those records – Almost every game you can point to say either Ben Roethlisberger wasn't there or Ben Roethlisberger was there and didn't get it done. Um, so I mean, I think that it uh, that when you're when you're talking about the coaches, I think it's more about what the players are doing um, that the coaches are telling them to do because so many times I think that the Steelers had the right play called, they just didn't execute it on the field. 
Now, let me counter with you real quick here. Now, I totally mm-hmm. agree with what you said. I agree with everything you said, so I have kind of a follow-up to that. So I, I totally agree with what you said, because if you look back at, at, you know, the Jets in 2014, Ben, I know that's just right off the top of my head, Ben didn't play well in that game. And as great as – I mean, you look at Ben's statistics, I kind of broke it down earlier today. Mm-hmm. He's on pace for 38 touchdowns, 4,400 passing yards, 65% mm-hmm. completion percentage, you know, under 15 interceptions. You look at those numbers, you go, fantastic. And that is in light of the bad games that he's had so far. And I, I agree with you. The Steelers kind of go where Ben Roethlisberger goes. And I honestly didn't know it might be, you know, the onus of the losing could be shorter even more on him. Because like you said, a lot of that is him steering down receivers, whether he doesn't trust the other receivers yet or, or whatever that the case may be. A la, he's no not being around anymore, who is always his number one safety valve. But my question is, are they relying too much on him every single game because Le'Veon Bell is in – you know, the rushing yards just aren't there. That's no knock on Le'Veon. Like, he's a, he's a great running back. Uh, but if you really look at it, like I, you know, he has, you know, 7.5 catches per game right now. He's on pace for almost 100 catches this season. And, I mean, yesterday mm-hmm. was kind of the same story. He had some nice runs. He had some, some great runs. The patience and all that stuff was there. 50, you know, he was averaging 3.35 yards per carry. That's just, that's just not going to get it done. I mean, in the Dolphins game, he wasn't a factor running the ball. The Ravens game, he wasn't a factor. Do, do you think – that could be a reason why Ben maybe has some of these up-and-down games is just because, you know, they're not getting it done running the football and defenses know it and they're just kind of pinning their ears back and, and, and attacking Ben? I think possibly. But, but one thing is that I, I'd also like to point out is Ben Roethlisberger is not under siege most in most games. Um, you know, he's right. – you know, especially last week against Baltimore, they got some heat on him at times. But for the most part, he was able to sit back in the pocket and make decisions. He just made bad decisions. And then this week against the mm-hmm. Cowboys, they didn't really get a lot of heat on him. There were times there were times it got to him, but um, it wasn't that the defense was doing that. I think part of the run, the running game is that they are still um, that the team. You can't run in predictable situations. Um, you know, like you said, Le'Veon Bell had 17 carries, 57 yards, very pedestrian numbers uh, when it comes mm-hmm. when it comes to the ground. Um, and maybe that's because teams are are looking for what they're doing there. Um, and I mean, to, against the Ravens, you kind of expect it. They normally shut down the Steelers' run, run game. I don't know what it is about that. It's just their defensive front has always, you know, outperformed them. Eight years, it's been like, it's been like that. The Steelers have not been able to run the ball on these guys. Um, yeah, but save, save against, the Week Four game when Bell had, you know, like what one twenty when when Michael Vick was well, quarterback. Yeah. Save that game. Right. Yeah, they right. haven't been able to run right. against Baltimore. Yeah, that that was that that game. Yeah, that that was that was kind of the anomaly. Because um, I think the Pittsburgh was like, we're screw yeah, it, we're yeah. right. Uh, but uh, when it comes to when it comes to like you know their numbers, their numbers right now, like honestly, like I felt like the offense moved the ball enough through the air um, at, di- at different times. But I mean, when you look at the ground game, yeah, it wasn't dependable enough. Um, yeah, I, I can't exactly put my finger on why the offensive line has yet to have the sort of uh, gelling that, that, they, that we've seen out of them in the past when they can just bully teams around. Because, I mean, that has won them the game. I mean, that, that game against the Titans, I think, in 2014, where they just literally ran the same play over and over and over, and they just pushed them around. Um, and usually you can account for Le'Veon Bell to get, you know, 100 yards in the game. But, I mean, he, he hasn't had that. And I think was, was yesterday his first rushing touchdown of the season? Um, yes. I, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. It, that, it, think about that. That's how bizarre – this is right now. That's how crazy this is. You know, the, the season's offense, just been weird. Yeah, it's, it's been a bizarre. It's so such a weird season. You know, and like I was talking about, like I was talking about, um, I talked about this in the, my latest article that published uh, in Carter's Classroom. Um, you know, it's you know, you look at the defense. The, if you, if I had told you, Brian, this this is like a, this is like just a, a fun question. Uh, if I had told you before the game, before you saw the Steelers Cowboys game that the defense was going to create the only turnover of the game. It was going to force three three and outs, and it was going to only allow two red zone possessions and only one of those red zone possessions that there would be a touchdown. Would you have bet that the Steelers would have won that game? Double-digit victory, yeah. Yeah, For exactly. Sure. You, think, you think that was it. You had three touchdowns come from super-duper plays, from way outside the red zone, which was which has been uncategorical for this team. They, they, they haven't allowed splash plays, save for like Baltimore and Jay Ajayi when the game was over. But they've been very good at lim- at forcing. If you're going to score on the Steelers, you're going to score by wearing us down and getting into the red zone. But they they have uh, they, they you know they occasionally once a game that it happened, but three times a game. Geez, 
that that was disturbing. Um, and that's kind of where I think that this game was such an anomaly to, to such a to such a weird season already with so many people getting hurt at bizarre times with the with the crazy games that they have for the offense disappearing at times, the defense appearing and then, then disappearing. Um, and, then, and then you got a game like this where you know, it seemed like the defense, they made sound plays. It wasn't that they didn't call the right plays. Um, in fact, um, I was you know, if you look at comparing two specific plays, Brian, the third one that they got to stop in the fourth quarter. Um, on Ezekiel Elliott, and they and they did a really good job on. It was you know you, you saw you saw James Harrison crash down the the, the tackle. You saw Shazier plug the middle, and you saw Sean Davis creep. He was playing the corner really tight, and then came shot down the line and and made the tackle on Ezekiel Elliott at the line of scrimmage. That was the same exact play call that was used on the final play of the of the, that Ezekiel Elliott scored on in the game. The only difference was. Ryan Shazier played the wrong gap, and that allowed Ezekiel Elliott to squirt up the middle and run rush for 30 yards uh, and get the touchdown that won the game. It, it's not about the it's not about the play calls. It's not about the coaching telling them to be in the wrong place or them having the wrong you know philosophy or whatever. It's because they're not. It's because the players on the field are making mistakes. And I know some people that like goes back to coaching, and it kind of does, but that's more about anything. If anything else. These guys, they, they're young. They're going to make those mistakes, and they have to work through them. Troy Colano was not elite in 2003 and 2004. He wasn't really elite until two, in, in 2005. You really didn't see Troy, Troy Colano emerge, I think, until Mike, the Mike Tomlin era, and that's when he became the superstar that everyone knows, knew and loved. Um, but, you know, when you're, talking, when you're talking about these youngsters, I mean, Ryan Chazier, yes, he's a third-year player. Um, and he, should, he shouldn't be making as many mistakes as he had. I think, honestly – he's he's so fast that he runs himself out of plays. And that's what you saw with that last touchdown play. He ran down the line when he was supposed to be in B gap. He shot to A and then Ezekiel Elliott was like, thank you. And I'll just take that lane. And he took it to the end zone. And I've seen that several times with Shazier this year. He just shoots the gap way too early or goes way too far in it. And then the running back can just say, oh, thank you. I'll just run right where you came from. Um, and, and, you know, you got young players like Tuit. I think Tuit actually had a very good game. I'll say for a few plays when like that the uh, second to last touchdown when their offensive line completely pushed around the Steelers defensive line, but I mean so many times um, even that last touchdown um, the defensive line they were able to hold up and maintain their gaps. Uh, you know it's just again it came down to you know the Steelers really gave up three super duper splash plays um, and, and that ended up being the defense's undoing. Yo, you nailed it. And that's exactly what what. You know, Coach Tomlin said after the game, you know, on multiple multiple times he said splash plays, you know, they made too many mm-hmm. and the Steelers didn't make enough. And that's been a story all year. I mean, with Mike Wallace, the 95-yard touchdown, the J.A. long run, I mean, it just seems like that's just been the recurring thing where defense doesn't really play that bad, uh, but they just give up those those plays that the team hasn't been able to overcome. Real quick to reset, we've got Chris Carter here with us from DK Pittsburgh Sports. He has a special, which is fantastic, Carter's Classroom. It, it's a must-read. It really is. I mean, if you – if you really want to know what's going on with the team on the field, I mean, that there's no better place. Um, so, once again, that's Chris Carter from DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Brian Giardo here on the Steel Conversation. Now, let's let's get off the field and let's kind of, like, try to play psychologist here because, you know, when I was when I was watching um, the post-game press conference yesterday and, you know, when Mike Tomlin was talking, he looked, like, to me, visibly shaken. Like, and when they asked him about the two-point conversion, it looked like he was going to cry. Like, his head, his hat was, was bowed lower than it normally is, and he just – it just it was such a different Mike Tomlin than the, like, unleashed hell from 2009 or, you know, he carries himself – you know, he's carried himself in the past with, with bravado. I don't necessarily want to say swagger, if you want to call it that, but more just bravado, confidence, you know, mm-hmm. and it just it – just, Man, Chris, I don't know if I'm reaching or if I'm being too much of a hot take guy or now that we're both, like, media guys, I'm I'm really reaching too much. But it just it, – it caused me to worry, you know, as someone that, that would like to see the Steelers do well. I mean, what what do you think that the, the mood right now is in the locker room? And, you know, I know that, you know, Antonio uh, Brown posted a Twitter thing saying that they're not going to back down and something of that nature. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you saw it last night after the game. Most of the Steelers, social media-wise, though, have been pretty quiet. I mean, Le'Veon Bell's talking about his music stuff, and uh, you know, but, but in general, I mean, D'Angelo Williams has been quiet. You know, he's obviously been dealing with that that knee injury. But what do you think that the mood inside the clubhouse is? Obviously, it's not probably going to be great when you're four and five. But 
you know, uh, I mean, the half glass full, I mean, they're only one game behind, and, and the Bengals are about to play, you know, this, game, this broadcast is being done on, on uh, Monday night, so right now the Bengals are about to play, but, you know, regardless of what happens in the Bengals game, the Steelers are still going to be in, in the thick of things, but, you know, what do you think the mood is inside the locker room right now? <coughs> oh, excuse <coughs> sorry, excuse me. Um, oh, no problem. Right now, I'm, uh, yeah, sorry, just drinking water and went down the wrong pipe. Um, but anyways, uh, I'm looking at I'm looking at the reason. When was the last time this team lost four games in a row, which is what just happened? I think the last time was the 2013 start of the season when the team was 0-4 mm-hmm. because they couldn't get anything right. Um, right. You know, when, when you go through that kind of a period, one, Kama's not – nor, not used to that. I mean, he's never had a losing season, so you know he's never had to deal with this kind of ad- adversity. Um, and I think that right now he's he might be getting a little frustrated with his with his players right now because he's like, listen, we we had the game in our hands, we called the right plays, you know, we knew what we were up against. I mean, honestly, like the Steelers defense, they knew that they were not out of position in the entire game. It wasn't like they didn't know what they were coming. It wasn't like they were weren't prepared. They just missed on a lot of plays. Um, and that's frustrating. I don't care what team you are. If if the Patriots lost four in a row, I think you'd start to see Tom Brady getting a little get a little frustrated as well. I think you're seeing that with the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers right now. They're struggling. Um, you know that 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 kind of stuff happens, and when that happens, yeah, it's tough to have that same sort of swagger, and that's why you might not see that on Mike Tomlin. And he has. There's nowhere to go for the whole, you know. Okay, well, we, you know, we gotta, we made our bed, and we gotta lie in it right now. Like, that's kind of what they're, do, what they gotta do. But I mean, you know, when you're losing, everyone's down. When you're winning, everyone's up. That's kind of what it is. And the Steelers badly need a win this week against the Browns. You know, if they lose that game, I mean, the season's probably, probably gone. And on top of that, um, it's going the whole fire Tomlin train, which has been picking up speed, is going to be that. That's going to be on in full, you know, full speed ahead next week. Uh, with, with, with everything. I, I just think right now people need to remember, one, this defense is in transition. Uh, we've said for a long time that the 3-4 is, is, you know, is working its way out, that the, uh, that, that the nickel defense is going to become the future, and they're going to have to change their front. They're kind of in transition. They're still, the defense is still figuring itself out, lots of young players, um, and you know they've they've had to struggle with you know, Ben Roethlisberger not being, being all, the, all the way there most of the time. Um, he's, I mean, to me, Ben Roethlisberger has really only had maybe three complete games this season, and you need to, you need your quarterback to have complete games at least, I'd say, eighty percent. And three games out of nine, that's you know, one every three games, he's been, you know, there. That's not good. You need, you need your quarterback to be, especially when he's Ben Roethlisberger, when he's supposed to be an elite top five quarterback that's leading this team to a Super Bowl um, championship. You know he needs to be the guy, especially now that he's he's in his mid to late thirties, um, and he, this is the prime of this is the twi- prime twilight of his career. You know Tom Brady, you know he leads his team. You know the the Ben Roethlisberger, he's got to lead his team down down the field, and it's gonna fall on him. Um, so Tomlin, I think, yeah, he's he's definitely feeling the frustration. No one ever likes losing. Uh, you know it's gonna he's gonna have he's gonna look like that. Uh, but I think if this team, I think very well, you know. You know this team can can pick it up, and I think they will pick it up. Um, you know, you know the Browns. I really, they, it, they need to not overlook that and just blow this team out of the water. Uh, they need to do what they did to them, what they did to the Chiefs. Um, but I mean, the rest of these games do not scare me. I mean, the the Giants. Mm. You know, they're a decent team, but they're not a team that I, I I'm too fearful of. They still got the Buffalo Bills. They got the Browns twice. The Bengals, who they've beaten. The Ravens, who they can beat. Um, you know they 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 have teams that there are very you can beat them you know, foreseeably easy. And that's the seven games that are that are left. Um, that, and really they I think they they need to win at least six of those seven. Um, you know and that, I know six and one you know it doesn't sound easy and it's not easy. But I think this team can do it with the talent they have on the roster. Oh yeah, and when and and you know when you look at. Uh... You know, the Steelers in the past, I mean, they've had, you know, they, they, oh, they 2013 was weird. I mean, they were 0-4. Uh, that's probably mm-hmm. the only time, and, and, and actually, you know, going off of an, an article I read on DK Sports, um, you know, one of the articles uh, I read recently said that, that uh, you know, the, the lowest point that he'd seen, um, Dajun, that had seen, uh, you know, the Steelers' locker room so just depressed was after that loss overseas and they lost to the Vikings to drop 0-4, and, and, 
you know, they went they were 0 and 4 that year, 2 and 6, 5 and 8, and then they won three straight to finish 8 and 8. Mm-hmm. And if the Chargers game, right? Chargers Chiefs were if the field goal was made and or made, right? The Steelers would would have made the playoffs, but that's neither here nor there. And then obviously 2014, you know, uh they started 3 and 3 and finished 11 and 5, and then last year they were uh, you know, they were uh, 4 and 4 and then 6 and 5 and finished 10 and 6. So you know, the Steelers, they have that DNA that they did. But at the same time, 2009, you know, Mike Tomlin, that was the famous Unleash Hell season, and, and no one, they didn't yeah. unleash Hell anywhere. <laughs> and, they, and they didn't make yeah. the playoffs, and they finished 9-7. and seven. So, you know, it is definitely in their DNA. And I think that's the, that's the thing um, that and I think Steeler fans, and this is the thing, I, and I'm sure, I mean, I don't know, I mean, I know you're more you're the X's and O's analyst over there, but I'm, I'm sure that maybe some of your other writers, or, or maybe you are saying this to the people that do read your article, is that, and in your and in your morning Java that you know at the end of the day the Steelers are one game out of the division and this time a year ago yep. I mean the the Bengals are running away with this division and the Steelers really realistically had no shot to catch them I mean you know midway through the season you know the Steelers were, were four and four the Bengals were eight and zero and the Steelers just lost Le'Veon Bell for the year at that point I mean yeah James Williams has shown you flashes uh, you know when he, when he uh, you know took over for Bell early in the season but no one really knew exactly what to expect from him and you know. From, to go from and I, you know to go from that to what they ended up doing, uh, that should give the team some optimism, especially when you factor in there is no eight nose team in the, in the AFC North anymore, right. and and right. the Steelers are so much in the thick of things. And I think anybody, whether or not you're a Steeler fan or not, if you watch that game, uh, the Steeler Ravens game, there's no way that anybody could say the Ravens were the better team. Now defensively, yeah, they're a better defensive team, but that offense is so anemic. Uh, I mean, you take away that. Yeah. You know, that Mike Wallace touchdown, I mean, what, what did the Ravens really have? I think a lot of their points was the fact that the Steelers' offense wasn't going, and seven points was because of the block punt. So, when you really dial it down, I mean, the Steelers are the better team. They have tons of talent. I mean, and, and you can't keep a team with this much talent down for so long. You know, and I, I think the Mark Davis Bryant thing has been huge. I think the Heath Miller thing has been uh, something that, that, that has been really overlooked. I mean, I, I would, you know, I, I don't know if you would agree, but I think that you know, Ladarius Green was promising yesterday. It would have, it would have been amazing if he would have pulled down that two-point conversion catch. That would have been amazing, and yeah. that that may have changed things. I don't, I don't want to dwell on this way too much, but I mean, where do you put most of the onus on on the loss last Sunday? I mean, I know Mike Tomlin, the two-point conversion. I mean, I, I mean, I can hear hundreds of miles away how how you know the hate that he's getting for that. I mean, is, was it that bad in your eyes? Was it overblown? Like real quick, like what are your quick thoughts on that? The two-point conversions and all that that mayhem. I mean, I, 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 I mean, the two-point conversions, the reason they go for them is because they believe in Ben Roethlisberger. That's it. They don't right, do that, right. that stuff when Landry plays and Andrew Jones is their quarterback. That's, that's Mike Tomlin saying. And I, I, I haven't pulled the numbers up for this because, you know, I just it's, it's one of those abstract things that you don't really pay a whole lot of attention to. But I think they only do that when they score first. I think that that's, that, that's their idea to put mm-hmm. pressure on their opponents. I don't think they do that when the other team scores first. Um, and I think, and the only time that they do that is after they gain a, a significant lead. So if you look at the first time yesterday, it was they, they they scored first. They wanted to go up eight on them to sort of put extra pressure on the Cowboys' offense. They missed. Then they scored again, and they were try, they, they were saying, okay, well let's try to put up, let's try to even it out and make it so that it's fourteen points. Well, they 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 missed that. Then the other two times, they legitimately were for good reasons because they wanted to go up by a field goal in each instance. They just missed. Um, and you know, it's one of those things where it's Ben Roethlisberger. You're thinking that, hey, let's let's get this done. Let's um, let's trust our our Super Bowl champion quarterback to get it done. And he missed. Um, but you know what? I think that Mike Tomlin will tell you if if he had to bet on on whether or not his quarterback would get it done or not, he'd take Ben Roethlisberger doing it every time. Um, so you, for fans who might be mad at Mike Tomlin for doing that. You know, if you if you're mad at him for having have faith in in Ben Roethlisberger, go right ahead. I, I don't think that that's going to change anything, and I don't think that makes him a bad coach for do, for putting faith in his quarterback. I could I totally agree with you, and it's one of those things, it, Chris. I'm just you kind of brought me to the light, man. I'm going to be honest with you. You kind of brought me to the light about <laughs> how much Ben's getting a pass. I mean, I, listen, Ben Roethlisberger, mm-hmm. first ballot, <clears throat> pardon me, first ballot Hall of Famer. Uh, all those things, you know, he's he's mm-hmm. excellent. And the Steelers have no chance of winning the Super Bowl without him. I mean, as well as Landry Jones played against New England, I think everyone can agree Ben is currently probably the best player on this team. Possibly, I mean, I mean, especially over the span of his career. I mean, you, I guess you can make an argument for A.B. and Brown, but or I'm mm-hmm. sorry, Le'Veon. But, 
you know, why do you think Ben's not getting more of the blame? I don't think he's getting any of the blame. I mean, and and, and do you think that the, the Tomlin-Ben dynamic is, is not conducive to Ben growing as a quarterback? Because when you look at, you know, Brady and, and Belichick, I mean, the biggest thing I always hear about their relationship is that, you know, they're, it's very businesslike. Yes, I'm sure they like each other. They've got each other's back. But at the end of the day, it's businesslike, and Brady still coaches him hard. And or I'm sorry, Belichick still coaches him hard. And obviously, it's well documented the, the Chuck Terry Bradshaw relationship. So I really won't digress too much there. But um, you know, do you think it's 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 too much? Like Ben, or I'm sorry, Tomlin just trusts Ben so much, and that it's almost like he's afraid to coach him. Or like, like what do you think that dynamic is? And and, and you know. What do you think? Am I am I reaching again, or do you think that there's something to be said about the way that the Tomlin coaches Ben and the way that Tomlin just kind of just kind of concedes to Ben and lets him kind of do whatever he wants? I don't think that that's the I don't think that's necessarily the situation, and the reason is that I think that that Tomlin doesn't want to he doesn't want to sort of sun Ben like you know when you when you say someone suns you it's like when they just kind of make you look bad because Ben is one of his mm. captains you don't do that in front of, in front in front of the world mm. uh, you know he'll. He'll do, he'll do that to a Jarvis Jones. He'll do that to a Ryan Shazier. But you don't ever see him do that to Cameron Hayward. You never see him do it to James Harrison because I think that that's, you know, in the military, you don't chastise your, your, your officers in front of, in front of your grunts. Um, and I think that's, that's, that's the method behind that. But at the same time, um, you know, I, you know, our, our, our photographer, Matt Sunday at DK Pittsburgh sports, who's a brilliant photographer. He gets some of the greatest, mm-hmm. greatest shots in the game. Um, he pointed out to, to us, that he said after it was a few weeks ago, uh, no, I think it was last week. Um, the there was the one incomplete pass that he threw deep to Darius Hayward Bay, and it was almost intercepted by the safety. Um, he said he saw Ben Roethlisberger walk up to uh, to to Darius Hayward Bay and start to like to sort of speak a little angrily at him, telling him he, ran, he ran the wrong route. And Matt said he couldn't really hear the whole conversation, but he did. He was like he looked at he looked at uh at, he kind of Mike Tomlin kind of jumped in for, jumped in between him and said no you threw the wrong ball, uh, and that's what he sort of he got the impression that Tomlin was was stopping Ben from jumping all over Hayward Bay and was saying that hey you made the wrong throw there buddy, uh, and I, I don't think Tomlin's afraid to address anyone. And I saw that years ago Marquise Pouncey was committed a holding penalty and he was losing his mind and he was kind of just like no one could talk to him no one could calm, calm him down. And Marquise Pouncey he's a big intimidating fella. Uh, but Mike Tomlin oh, yeah. got in his face and said, "He said, look at me right now. I need you to calm down.' And you know, he, he and he talked to him. He talked to him like a coach would to one of his players. And what did Marquis Tomlin <clears> do? <throat> Looked him in the eyes, said, "Yes, coach." And he walked and he and he walked away after Tomlin dismissed him. You know, and that's not something you don't see that from uh from Bill, from Bill Cowher back in the day. You, Greg Lloyd, he would just be like, "Whatever," and just sort of looked. He never looked Bill Cowher in the eyes. You know, he you know that, that's the kind of demeanor that Tomlin has. I don't think that he's that he's giving Ben that he gives Ben a pass. I think that it's more that he's trying to, you know, make sure that because he knows Ben has to be a leader for this for this team because he's he's really the oldest starter left. Um, you know, James yeah. Harrison's still around, uh, but he's he's the guy that's been there the longest. This is his offense. He's supposed to be making it happen, and he wants to instill confidence in his quarterback. Because if Ben doesn't have confidence, then who will? Um, so I, I don't think it's necessarily that he's letting he's just letting Ben do whatever he wants. I think that he defers to Ben because he knows that Ben Roethlisberger is such a bad man when he's on when he's on his game. So he wants to give Ben Roethlisberger every chance to be the man. Uh, and I think that's where that comes from. It's not necessarily him just kind of like too scared to say anything to Ben. I think it's more so. Listen, buddy, I believe in you, and we're gonna you know if we're gonna win a Super Bowl, you're gonna have to be a key part. So I'm gonna give you every opportunity I can as a coach to let you win. Which to me, that's the coach that I want. That, that's the coach that I want to see. I don't want to see you guys like you know what? Hey, Ben Roethlisberger messed it up last week. So we're gonna switch our entire game plan around and and just try to run the ball the entire game and and, and take it out of Ben's hands. No, that would that would be stupid. And if, and you know if they did that. Then I could see people saying Mike Tomlin, he's too reactionary. He, but you know, and he's making he's making key mistakes that are hurting the team. But that's not the problem here. The team isn't reactionary. Mm-hmm. They don't live in the moment. The team, as you have seen, they have not abandoned their their plans the entire season. They adjust when injuries happen, and I think that's necessary because you have to adjust with your personnel. But I mean, with Ben Rogers, if if Le'Veon Bell's in the game, they, you know, you know they're coming out most most of the time single back set, and they're going to try and make you have to account for both the pass and the 
run. If Ben Roethlisberger's in, you know they're going to try to open it up and take more take more advantage down the field. I think the one time you didn't see that was against last week against the Ravens because Ben was hurt, and I think they were trying to compensate for his injury by running the ball more. But by all means, that uh, that that is Mike Tomlin conceding anything to Ben Roethlisberger. I think that he's that that's where he steps in and he's like, look, if you know, I you know, if we're going to win the Super Bowl, it's going to be on your back, buddy. Cause I can't make the throws. My I can't go out there and make the throws. You got to make the throws. So he's he's trusting in his quarterback, and I think that's what you're supposed to do. You know, perfect example. Perfect example. Bill Belichick and Tom Brady, their relationship. When does Bill Belichick not believe in Tom Brady? And, and you even right. look at that, even when it's backfired, I think it was four or five years ago, they were playing the Colts on Sunday night football, and they had a, like a two, they had a two or three-point lead against Peyton Manning, and it was late in the game. And if the, the Patriots get this first down on fourth down, they win the game. And so they go to the air with Tom Brady, and he misses. He doesn't get it done. Colts get the ball. Peyton Manning throws a touchdown. They, they end up winning the game. And everyone at the game is, oh, Bill Belichick, you're so stupid for going for it. No, he's not. He went to Tom Brady in the clutch. He said, I'm going to trust Tom Brady over my defense. And you know what? I'm going to trust Ben Roethlisberger over this defense. So, you know what? I, that's, that's where I'm just like, guys, you got to remember, if, we, if we're going to place the – if we're going to point blame and, and fingers, like you said, it's not all about the coaches. It's about the guys on the field. It's about the leaders on the field. And the number one leader, the face of this team right now, is Ben Roethlisberger. And if we're being honest, he did, he did well. He did, I think he played well yesterday. He played good. I'd give him a B-plus to an A-minus. But that string, of, uh, that string of time of three quarters that I was talking about earlier, that he didn't score a touchdown from the four-minute mark of the first quarter to the three-minute mark of the fourth quarter, that was too much time without a touchdown with all the weapons this team has on offense. So – you know, I, I'm looking at this. You know, if we're talking, if we're being honest, this is this this is about Ben Roethlisberger finding himself, and I think Mike Tomlin's giving him all the space to do just that. I love the answer, right? and 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 oh, hey, okay. that's why we have you on the show. That's why you're here. <laughs> you're giving us this great this great insight, and you know, and, and let's let's just talk about the Mike Tomlin thing real quick because everybody wants him fired. I mean, that seems like I don't want to say everybody, but that's just what it seems like. You know, and, a lot of people. You know. Yeah. I'm sorry. And I said a lot of people. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. I don't know if th- th- I honestly feel like Chris. I'm right about to tell you who I voted for. That's like I mean that's that's seriously the level that it's at almost where it's like are you a Tomlin guy or not? That's seriously what I feel like now. Or like you're almost afraid to not talk about it, just like the election last week. I mean, but mm-hmm. I'm probably you know I'm probably getting a little over exaggerated, but that's okay. But anyway, you know, here's the deal. <laughs> uh, I don't think. I'm sorry, I don't think that Mike Tomlin should be fired, in my opinion. Now, mm-hmm. we have to play out the rest of the season, and who knows. But I think currently, as it currently stands, like you just said, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, the, the players have to make the plays. And mm-hmm. if, if Ryan Shazier is shooting the wrong gap, and if things of that mm-hmm. nature are happening, and if Ben is not throwing to the open receivers, you know, and obviously, like, injuries happen. I mean, I know Ben kind of went out, went out on a limb and – said those injury things and maybe the team's practicing too hard or whatnot. But, you know, but at the end of the day, like, you know, you look at the Steelers' track record with Mike Tomlin, and, you know, people love Bill Cowher. I'm a big Bill, Bill Cowher guy. But it seems like yeah. the, 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 more, the more and more that Bill Cowher is gone, people forget the, 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 all the, you know, the four AFC championship losses, the underachieving seasons that, that those teams had. I mean, I, mean, I can mm-hmm. reel off. 1998, they went seven and nine with a team that just yep. was fresh off of an AFC Championship appearance. The next year, mm-hmm. there they started the year five and three, and then bottomed out and were six and ten. The next year, they started zero and three and missed the playoffs. I mean, I can go on and on. 2003, they went six and ten after winning ten games the previous year and almost making the AFC Championship game. So again, I know that it's not entirely fair because Coward didn't have Ben Roethlisberger most of his coaching you know years. He was their coach for what? Uh, Mm-hmm. 15 seasons, he only had Ben for his last three. But hey, and then the last year they go eight and eight after winning the Super Bowl. So, you know, and, and I am a Bill Cowher fan, but but for for people to say that, oh, I wish we had Bill Cowher right now, that's that's ludicrous. I mean, yeah. when you look at the things that Mike Tomlin's done, I mean, the the, the Steelers at, at their height was 2008 that I can recall in the last couple of decades. I mean, I know the 05 team was awesome. The, the you know the 04 team went 15 to one. But the 2018 mm-hmm. had the best defense that the Steelers have had since the Steel Curtain. I'm including, you know, the 90s Blitzburg defense. I, Chris, you're Mr. X's and O's. I know you can you can back that up because you know what the 2018 mm-hmm. did. They were bad boys. The, the thing that yeah. sucks about the 2018 
they didn't they didn't dominate the Cardinals in that Super Bowl and really have a signature game. I mean, that's the only thing that the 2008 Steelers are missing on the resume. I mean, yeah, they did it to, to Baltimore, you know, in the AFC title game with Troy with with the pick six. But you know, and, and Mike Tomlin even told those guys before the last before the last drive with the Super Bowl still in the balance. You know, if you stop them now, this is a legendary defense, and and they are. So that being said, the Steelers reached their pinnacle with <clears throat> with Mike Tomlin, and then. You know, in 2010, without Ben for a quarter of the season, they navigate that stretch. They go three and one, and they still get to the Super Bowl. And then they lost to Green Bay. Green Bay was a better team. I mean, they were. They made yeah. the splash plays, as Tomlin likes to say. Uh, and then you look at you know the, the more recent seasons with you know you have to transition. It wasn't easy for Noel Steelers. I don't care you know free agency or not free agency. You know, this new era affects everyone. You can't just stock load mm-hmm. on all the talent like you used to. And eventually you right. have to say goodbye to guys that won you championships and you have to usher in a new era. And, you know, Mike Tomlin, I think, has navigated that better than anybody. I mean, and the fact that the Rooney's wanted him to, to change an offensive coordinator that Ben Roethlisberger loved and had mm-hmm. to force Ben to, to trust Todd Healy. And I'm not telling you anything you don't know. I know that. But I'm just reinforcing, right. you know, my stance on, Mm-hmm. I, I'm the last person that thinks Mike Tomlin should be fired. Uh, and, and, and I mean, and, and to me, it's kind of, I don't want to say shameful, but it's very disappointing that that's the first thing that Steeler fans turn to midway through a season, which is not lost at all. One or first or, you know, maybe getting the one or two seed, probably, but everything else is still on the table. And mm-hmm. that's where I'm disappointed because everything Tomlin's done, yes, there are things I wish were different. Yes, I wish that. You know, maybe they had won an extra Super Bowl with Tomlin, or, or maybe some things could have been different. But the coaching job that he did last year, I thought, was maybe second to the 2008 season, the best coaching job that he's done. Last year was, was easily his best coaching performance, you know, since 2008. And I think it's it's just sad that that's where we've come to as, as a fan base, um, kind of speaking for Steeler fans, that the first sign of, of, of negative, you know, uh, of you know, turmoil is fire Tomlin. I mean, and, and I'm going to stop real quick, and then I'll, I'll hand it over to you. But my last point is, what good yeah, does sure. that do for the team? What what good does that do for the team when that's the atmosphere on the outside? The the negativity, obviously it's going to be negative when, when you haven't won a game in 43 days, which is we're counting mm-hmm. it down now. But, you know, yeah. how does that help the team? It doesn't. They're not going to it fire doesn't. Tomlin. They're not going to fire him today. They're not going right. to fire him tomorrow. They're not going to fire him, I don't think, ever. So, And I could be wrong. Yeah. We have to play out this season, but as it currently stands, people calling for Mike Tomlin's head is not going to change anything, and it's only going to make the atmosphere around that team worse. But who knows? Maybe all the negativity, it'll force the Steelers to, to, to focus on themselves to keep all the noise inside the locker room and to stay singular-minded on what they have to achieve. And that, that's, that's where I'll stop, and I'll hand it off to you. No, it's all good, man. I, I, think, that the, I think that you hit on the head with the whole it, – it's not, you know, if – if the Steelers were a reactionary team, they'd be the Cleveland Browns because that's what they do over. That's what they do in losing organizations. Whenever a coach doesn't look right for just a few games, let's start panicking and let's 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 pull the reins out. Let's pull the saddle out from under on the horse. Let's let's force him to try and you know be on the hot seat. And that that's something that the media does to turn up conversations. You know, Colin Coward says this every seems like every other week. On his show, he's like, Mike Tomlin gets a pass. No one ever criticizes Mike Tomlin, but he never listens to Pittsburgh media because that's all we do. I was on uh, the final word last night on – or not last night, it's not, uh, two Sundays ago after the Ravens game. Um, I was on the last word, and, and, and Rob Rousey and Mark Madden, I'm sitting with them on the panel, and uh, you listen to them, and there are things where, you know, you've got to look at the coaching staff. And, you know, and Rob Rousey said, you know, we need to get a new coach here in Pittsburgh. But come on, mm-hmm. man. Do people not know that this is why I think we had that great 2000s team in the mid in the mid to late 2000s? Bill Cowher, he took first of all when people talk about what 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 Mike Tomlin inherited, let's not forget that Bill Cowher inherited Hall of Fame center Damani Dawson, Hall of Fame and arguably the greatest defensive back that ever lived in Rob Woodson. He he inherited Greg Lloyd, Carnell Lake, and a number of other stars that were that that Chuck Noll handed over to him with that team. And he did he did okay with them. He made guys in the Super you're Bowl. You're Chris. You're right but, on all on all. Right. You're, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I'm just I'm letting you know I'm no, with you're, everything yeah. you're saying right now. <laughs> yeah. 
it's, it's a, he, he inherited them. But you know what? After that team fizzled out in, in 98, like you said, 98, 99, 2000, no playoffs, two losing seasons, and a 9-7 and seven year. You know, those are – people were calling for Bill Coward's head. I remember Bob Smithick, I think, was the, the post-cadet, was, right, was writing, I don't know why they're re-signing this guy. But, you know, and, and, right. you know what? Over time, if, they, if the Steelers had been reactionary, if they had said, let's get rid of this guy because he had two losing seasons, you know, and meanwhile, there's other organizations, they had several losing seasons. Um, but if, if they had done that, we would have never seen Bill Cowher pick Casey Hansen, Aaron Smith, uh, Troy Polamalu, bring in James Ferrier and Ryan Clark, and, uh, you know, bring in guys that, uh, that, that molded into the team and made that 2004 team that, that went 15-1 and one, and the 2005 team that won the Super Bowl. You wouldn't have seen that. You would have seen some other guy come in, maybe a Chip Kelly. They would have flashed for a year or two, and then we'd be back to square one, and, we'd be, and who knows, we might still have four Super Bowls. So don't, I, I don't like – I, I think it's ridiculous. When people speak on that accord, I think they're either one – they have no context with what the Steelers organization has been for so long, and that's been and that's been consistency, not reactionary in the moment, and looking at the big picture. Right now, the big picture is Mike Tomlin has you know people criticize his drafts, but he has the best running back in football in Le'Veon Bell. He has the best receiver in football in uh, in Antonio Brown, and. Uh, and and it's been and he has Ben Roethlisberger with them, and he has he has a developing offensive line that needs to play a little bit better. I I do think, um, but he has mm-hmm. a good offensive line on the on the offensive side of the ball. He has a young and developing defense. Cameron Hayward is a real, is, I think, is a stud at defensive end. Um, Stephon Tewitt is developing. Ryan Shazier is developing. Jarvis Jones, I think, has has become a much better starter for them, especially against the run. Um, and, you know, they still haven't seen really Bud Dupree, still haven't seen Senquez Golson, who knows when we will. Um, but Artie Burns and Sean Davis, they're rookies. Um, you know, this, this team has a lot of upside to it. And if you think that we should just jump ships now and transition in the middle of, another, of a transition that we're already in, that's just that's asking for turmoil. You know, you're not looking at the big picture here. And, um, and, and like, like you said, you know, whether it's, you know, it does seem a little like politics because people – it really is a split in, in Steelers Nation of people that want to see Tomlin go and people that are like, are you serious? Right? Like, like you and I, we're like, come on now. You know, this team, mm. it's not – again, it's not like they weren't prepared against the Cowboys on, on Sunday. You're looking you, – you, look you looked at that. The defense, they gave up big plays, but they did not let the Cowboys just march up and down the field. They let big shots happen, and the Cowboys have some of the more explosive players in football. Also – they're one of the best offenses in football. So naturally, yes, a, de- a developing defense that we know is in transition, that we know isn't in the best part of the league, better part of the league, um, they're going to have problems against, against one of the better offenses in football. But you balance that by having your offense, which is supposed to be the best offense of football, and they got outscored by the Cowboys. And it, it's, as simple, it's as simple as that when you look at the loss yesterday. But as far as the coaching in the long term, people just need to relax. It's not, you know, just because they're four and five right now. One, they could still turn this around, go eleven and five, ten and six, nine and seven, win the division. Because I don't think the Ravens are going to have. I think the Ravens are going to go eight and eight. If we're, if yeah, we're being honest. Maybe I think seven Ravens, and nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because because they they still have to play the Cowboys. I think they still have to play the Eagles. They still have to play quite a few teams. That I think they still have to play the Patriots. Um, you know, they and they've already got Cleveland out the way last week. Um, so, you know, I think that they they still have some tests in front of them that are going to be a lot harder um, than than uh, than what the Steelers have in the rest of their schedule. So, I think the Steelers really have that to their advantage, and they have to come to Heinz Field for the next Steelers meetup. Um, so, the, the, you know, I'm I'm saying I'm saying everyone relax. Let's be let's be let's let's think about what we're saying here when we're coming. And you're absolutely right. All this turmoil, that's what I – the turmoil that I expect um, that to, to swirl around the team, I expect it generated from Colin Coward, from Steve, Stephen A. Smith, from the national pundits that want to kind of get in – that want to get in there, you know, Ian Rappaport, when he said that Ben Roethlisberger was for sure going to be traded because he had an inside source and no one ever found out who that inside source was because it was false. Um, but, you know, let them be the guys. But here in Pittsburgh, let's be the people that are like, you know what? We're cool. We we know this is the greatest organization in the modern era of the NFL. You know they have six Super Bowls. No one else does. You know let the Rooneys and Kevin Colbert and Mike Tomlin let them work this system out. You know you know even even if they they end up going seven and nine or worse and have a losing rec, record this year, 
to me, yeah, people are like, oh, that's unacceptable. Well, guess what? You know, because they, they, well, with the Colin Coward's argument, he's often like, well, that's unacceptable with Ben Roethlisberger. Well, guess what, buddy? Ben Roethlisberger right. is part of that record. I pin, I pin those losses, especially against the Dolphins and, um, and the Ravens, and I, I even and also the Eagles, even though it was, they gave, they all, the defense also gave up a lot of points. Um, I, I pin those losses on a quarterback not getting the job done and not helping out a defense that's trying to hang in there, um, and especially the yeah. Ravens loss. Um, so, I mean, as much as people want to say, oh, it's, it's the, the woe is on Mike Tomlin, the woe's also on Big Ben. So, you know, again, my thing, just wait, wait and see. Be patient. Do not be like Cleveland fans. Do not be like Detroit fans or, or even like Philly fans. That they, they, want, they want their coach out as soon, as soon as they start losing after a few years. Mike Tomlin, is, he's working right. in the system, and you never know. One, the, if you look at the last two Super Bowl seasons, Turmoil was there, man. Look at the, uh, you know, at the at, in back back in 2008, there was the span of two games where Ben Roethlisberger threw seven interceptions over across the two games. Willie Parker, you know, there were, there were, oh yeah, yeah, there were so many points that people were like, oh, this isn't the team. In 2005, when they went seven and five, and TJ Hushmanzana was cleaning his cleats with a terrible towel, mm-hmm. and everyone was like, well, they're out of they're out of the playoffs now. You know, they, they climbed back. Like you said last year when they were 4-4 four and, four and the Pingles were 8-0. And, oh, and they somehow yeah. climbed back, made the playoffs. And no Le'Veon Bell for And no Le'Veon Bell, no Marquise <laughs> Pouncey, and injured Ben uh, Roethlisberger in the playoff game, no D'Angelo Williams, and they went in the Bengals' house and beat them. That's what Mike Tomlin brings. And that was these, these guys Broncos. don't quit under him. Yeah, and they almost beat the Super Bowl champion Broncos yeah. in their house with no Antonio Brown, let alone Marquise Pouncey, Le'Veon Bell, D'Angelo Williams, and everyone else that was hurt in that game. Um, but that's what I'm saying, man. Mike Tomlin has, has a – I think he has a good dynamic with his players. He's not, he's not a player's coach like everyone always calls him. He doesn't just hand right. stuff over to them because he definitely gets in their grill. He definitely has, a, has I think, a, a, a handle on what they say and, and, and where, where they're going with things. But I do think you – know, but I think also what people will tell when they talk about the players' coach thing, it's because he's so comfortable with them because he's younger, and I think he knows what it means like to be a player. So he doesn't – I don't think he, um, he doesn't need to show unnecessary bravado. And I think that was part of what, what uh, created a divide between power and, and player like Greg Lloyd was that Coward needed to act tough, and I think that was part of his demeanor. But Greg Lloyd's like, why are you acting like this right now? I know you're not like this. Because Coward, he didn't impose punishments if you showed up late to practice or late to, to team meetings. But Mike Tomlin, you know, when, you know, when Plastico Burris came late to, to Bill Coward's meetings, he was fine. You know, he was a first-round draft pick. He knew he was safe. Rashard Mendenhall came, came late to a, practice, to a practice meeting. Guess what? Mike Tomlin said it sat his butt down that week. Um, so, you know, I, I think that Mike Tomlin, he's the coach that you want in Pittsburgh. And if we let him go, he's going to get snatched up by somewhere. And if it's by somewhere that's so annoying, you know, if, if, it gets, if he gets snatched up by, you know, say Cincinnati and, and turns their, 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 their whole team around, we're going to be so mad because I think he's going to make a really good team out of somewhere. And that, that's what it is. The one time, the one time, and I'll pass it back to you right after this point, I think if, if you want to point to – getting rid of a coach. That is when a culture of losing is accepted. And I know people are going to say, well, we've lost yes. in a row. Culture, culture of losing isn't four games. It's not a season. It's multiple seasons when it seems like losing is okay. And it's like, you know what? Well, we went seven and nine. We'll get them next year. And, and that's okay once if you legit had a, just a really crazy season, like, you know, when Ben Roethlisberger got hurt in Bill Cowher's final season after that Super Bowl when they went 8-8. Eight eight. Sure, it wasn't acceptable, but it was like, well, you did get in that motorcycle accident. They, they had a lot of problems throughout the year. We'll, we'll have to get them next year. Um, you know, and, and I think every team goes through those, those ups and downs. Um, but when, if it becomes the norm and players can't be held accountable and they're not accepting accountability, and, and all I heard yesterday was Ben Roethlisberger saying, we're not accountable, was Cam Hayward saying, I messed up, was Ryan Chazier saying, I missed the gap, you know, Keith Butler, he called the right play, I wasn't there, you know, I, all I see is these guys accounting for their own mistakes and saying what they got to do to move forward, when that culture dissipates, then I'll worry, but until then, I'm happy with Mike Thompson. And I agree with everything you said, and to, to kind of piggyback off of that, when you look at and I said this yesterday on my, on my Facebook Live. I said, what other coach do you want? 
like Belichick, okay, and a lot of Steelers fans don't want Belichick because they don't like him, they don't like the Patriots, they don't like Spidey. So then, then who? You want Jason Garrett? They won four games last year. Do you, you know who yeah. else do you want? You want you know what I mean? It's like did Jason Garrett become a a, a, a great? Was he a bad coach? Did, did he all of a sudden become this great coach this year? No, they got they mm-hmm. got Dak Prescott, they got Ezekiel Elliott, and you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they you know their defense got a little bit better, but but really it's the same. It's the same. He's the same guy. The same guy that, yeah. that, that took over Dallas in 2010. But guess what? Jerry Jones. But I keep. I mean, Jerry Jones. Not not any now. But Jerry Jones used to get so much crap from Dallas. Everybody. He was so polarizing. And you know, it, yeah. actually, I give Dallas a lot of credit because because you're not hearing any really a lot. You're not hearing a lot from Jerry Jones right now, which is saying something for for him and for Dallas only having one loss. They're not. You know, I used to not be a huge Dallas fan for obvious reasons, but. Um, you know, I could stomach that loss yesterday just from the standpoint that Dallas is a likable team, in my opinion. I mean, I think they're a very likable team. Yeah. Um, but, you know, moving forward, uh, that was kind of my whole thing was that, you know, Dallas finally said, you know what, like, like, like we're firing coaches pretty much every single year. We need to bring in a guy that we believe in, that we trust, that we're just going to let just kind of go through the tides. And that's the thing when, when you look at the NFL today with the salary cap and with everything, I mean, you're going to have, like you said, you're going to have stuff happen this season. You're going to have, you know what, like injuries just got us. And like you said, it can't be acceptable. But I also agree with what you said is that it has to get, come back to the players, that the players have yeah. to accept accountability. And, and like you said, I mean, the Steelers are. I mean, like you said, with Shazier, with, with Hayward, with, with Ben, I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. It comes down to the mm-hmm. players saying, listen, you know, we need to make the plays. We need to get these things done. We need to straighten this thing out. And, and I agree, and 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 like you said, I mean, I, I hope Steelers, uh, you know, this season, and we'll start wrapping things up now. I'm sure, you know, yeah, sure. we have to have dinner, and I'm sure, you know, we have to, you know, kind of close close uh, close up Monday and get get ready for the next day. But you know, I hope the Steelers mm-hmm. use this and say, listen, it's all about us now. I mean, the national spotlight's off us. I mean, how much hype was around this team going into the season? I mean, everybody had them. As the number one pick, I mean, wasn't an NFL network, I think, had them winning the Super Bowl. ESPN, I think, maybe had them in the Super Bowl. I mean, everybody, they were everyone's choice to be in Super Bowl uh, 51. And, uh, I mean, not, not New England, not Denver. I mean, they were they were the team. They were the team. I saw, I heard them mm-hmm. in Seattle. I heard them in Arizona. Now, it's like all that stuff's gone. I mean, I mean, most of the national power rankings come out tomorrow. I mean, the Steelers were 20th on NFL.com's uh, you know, power rankings yesterday. They'll probably be like 24th or 25th today or tomorrow. And But but at the same time, I like that. And I think a lot of Steelers fans like that. They like when there's not the target on the Steelers' back. They like when everybody's kind of forgotten about them and they're not everybody's sexy pick anymore. And, you know, for the Steelers, and, and you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say this and I'll hand it back to you kind of, you know, for my last question for you, Chris. And thank you again for joining our show. Um, right. You know, in 2005, when the Steelers dropped the 7-5, one thing I did like about, about Mike Tomlin, I know you know the story, Chris, so I'm just going to repeat it to the listeners. He, you know, on the Steelers apparently had a blackboard where, with every game on their schedule, before and after. And the Steelers walked into their meeting the first game after losing to Cincinnati, dropping to 7-5. and five. And at that point, I mean, Cincinnati was running away with the division. And they had a three-game mm-hmm. lead at that point. Uh, and and the, the players walked in, and they said that, that there was no schedule on the board except for one, and that was Chicago. Every other game before that was erased. Every other game after Chicago was erased. And Cowher said, we're going to focus on one game at a time from here on out. And I know yep. that that's a cliche that we always hear uh, across the board, um, you know, in, in sports, every sport, not just football. But that's what the Steelers mm-hmm. did. They said, hey, we're going to focus on Chicago. We're going to beat Chicago. Question on my Facebook Live last night. Um hey, are we still a Super Bowl team? And my answer was, we need to beat the Cleveland Browns. And I think yeah. that's where every Steeler fan kind of needs to – and I know you're, you're a college football guy too, Chris, and, and that's the thing, you know, I, I'm a Buckeye. That's where I went for college. And that's always the conversation. Well, can this team get, make the playoffs? Can this team make the playoffs? And it's like, guys, it's October. Enjoy, enjoy the journey. Enjoy, right. hey, let's right. try to beat Minnesota. Let's try to beat Penn State, which, which they didn't do this year. <laughs> let's try to beat whoever. And, and, and we'll focus on that when we get to it. And I think that's – that's the thing that if there's a message I could bring to Steeler Nation, it would be this. Just let's enjoy the process. Enjoy this week. Let's focus on beating the Browns and not just – and when, when and if they do beat the Browns, don't just say, oh, that's, that's a crappy win. Hey, the Steelers haven't won a game in 43 days. Let's take any win we can get. 
and let's focus on the future. And I think that's, again, that's kind of my, my parting thoughts, Chris, before I hand it back to you here, is that just take everything one week at a time now. And, and, and we'll see where the season goes. But I'm optimistic, and I think Steelers fans should be too. And, and, Chris, I guess that's my last question for you before we kind of wrap this thing up. What are your kind of, of, of final thoughts for, for Steelers Nation out there, and, and how do you see this team bouncing back against the Browns and, and for the rest of the season? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to use some, uh, some Pittsburghese and say, calm down, you know, because it's just yes. it's not <laughs> it, it, it's, it's not the time to panic right now. Is it a, is it a, not a fun time? Yeah, sure. We have it. We've lost four straight games. You know, the, the meme going around that all my friends keep hitting me with, and it's really annoying, they keep saying, ever since Donald Trump was on t- TV waving oh, the terrible yeah. towel, the Steelers have lost a game. And I'm like, ha, ha, very funny. But at the end of the day, what this, this team – they they have they still have a lot of potential. This team, not, and it's not just about the potential. It's about we know where this team can go. We know this team can beat Baltimore. They can beat the Bills. They can beat the Giants. They can, they have beaten the Bengals. They can sweep the Browns. You know, and right there, that's like that's like five games off the top of my head. Um, and they still and they still got games. They still got games to play. They got seven games to go. They're only one game back of the Baltimore Ravens, who look very bad. You know, they don't look like mm. a good team right now. Um, and not that the Steelers, they, the, the Steelers look like an inconsistent team. The Ravens look like their ceiling is what they did to the Steelers. The Steelers, their ceiling was what they did to the Chiefs, which was dismantle a team that's 7-2 and two right now. Now, I will say this. The one thing for caution is, is if they cannot win the division, the wild card is out of the picture as well. Because right now the AFC West has three teams with seven wins right now. And, you know, they may – one of those teams may be bumped down and may be catchable, but I think if the Steelers want to make the playoffs, they got to win the division. And, I, and that starts with winning next week against, against the Cleveland Browns. We'll be talking about that this week uh, in, in Carter's classroom. I think the next – we, we just published uh, one tonight that published tonight at 9 o'clock basically, basically showing the splash plays and talking about how it really – the things broke down on individual plays and not necessarily entire scenes. But we'll be getting into what their what the defense is is improving on what the what this, where the scheme I think is in the right places and uh, what we can expect going forward against Cleveland. So I mean, again, Brian, it's always great to be on the show with you, man. I'm always happy that we can. I'm glad we could do this again because I miss I miss doing the shows with you at BTSC. Um, but uh, but I'm very happy um, to, to 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 one again once to be covering the Steelers with DK Pittsburgh Sports. And um, and I think I think this is going to end up being a really special season because you're going to see them come kind of rise, rise from these ashes right now. You're going to see them. I think you're going to see them overcome all this media hype that people are saying fire Tomlin. People are saying this team's done. You know they they can't make the playoffs. I think I think this is going to be something really good. Just watch one game at a time. I could agree more. Please please uh, follow Chris's work. You won't be disappointed. You're going to love it. And if you loved what what Chris was talking about on the show, I mean. Do you, I mean, he does the morning Java, like he said. I mean, and I, and you know what? I mean, their website's not. I mean, it's 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 very affordable. I mean, it's my dad. My dad loves loves your website. So you got to go to DK Pittsburgh Sports. It's a great website. Chris does great work. All the writers do great work. I mean, it really is. I mean, I, I love where I work, and I think we do great things. But but if you're not on mm-hmm. our website, you should be on their website because they give you great stuff. And final note, all across the board, Dicky Ollie yesterday said the Steelers are the best team that the Cowboys have faced so far. So take that as you will. We're going to end it there. Thank you again, Chris. Thank you for joining our podcast. And signing off, it's Brian Diardo saying, as always, it's a great day to be a Steelers fan.